Hopkins presented by Four Roses. Yo, what's good? Alright, here's the deal. My voice is a little bit hoarse. And you know when your voice it feels hoarse, you always think that it sounds worse than it is. Some of you are probably like, you don't sound that much different. In your head though, you know you always sound different. In my head, I sound different. My voice is shot from over the weekend. I haven't been sleeping a lot lately. I've been in what could be described as an elevated mood and a decreased need for sleep. And so I've just been like the Energizer Bunny over here. I'm getting a lot done. I got a lot of creative ideas flowing and things are good. But I uh, lost my voice on Saturday and I haven't been getting a lot of rest lately. So that's where we are today. I am Ben Tompkins. This is Real Talk. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon. And this is Uber Stories Part 19. We have excellent stories this week. I think this is the best podcast yet. And I, I know I, I keep saying that, but like I, I just I just feel like every week we we continue to get better and get better and the stories are better and the connections are better and the rides are better and the things that I'm I'm like just flowing out of me are just better. It's just better. It's just better. I'm back and I'm better. You know, that's that's why we, why we come in with Bryson Tiller today. You know, the 502 come up, baby. That's what it is. That's what it is. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good about today's episode, I, and I hope you really enjoy it. And if you do, here's a couple ways that you can help me out this holiday season, right? Uh, give me a follow on Facebook, and the show page is there at Real Talk WBNT. That's where I'll post. I'm kind of just using it as a blog at this point. Um, I'll share a couple little updates, and that's where I post all the shows. Uh, follow along on Twitter and Instagram at BennyTomBateen, and you know that the show is available on SoundCloud, on Spotify Podcasts, and on Apple Podcasts as well. And if you enjoy the show, please do me a favor and leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because... Um, I love to see that kind of stuff. And those positive affirmations really give me juice. They give me energy, and I really love seeing that. And I appreciate the fuck out of it for everybody that's done that. So thank you. Uh, please continue to subscribe, rate, and review. And check in with us on Wednesdays because we got Uber stories, baby. Uber stories and interviews. No interview this week. Uh, I'm going to have Carrie Campbell coming up right before Christmas, and then in January, Julie Fast, and we're going to dive deep with both about bipolar and addiction and triggers and going to get really deep, going to get really raw, but that's what we do. This is real talk. Speaking of getting raw, so the reason, let me let me just kind of like back up and break down the last few days for you. The reason that I lost my voice and that I feel it is it is hoarse, and maybe like my my OG day one listeners are kind of like, yeah, Benny T, you sound kind of, I don't know, just just like you sound like ninety seven percent there, you know, which normally I'm like ninety nine point ninety nine percent there, right? Um, and what happened was on Saturday. 
right? Oh, well, let me just even back up a little bit further. Friday, uh, I drove, usually I like to drive from, you know, one to seven during the week, um, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then on Friday, I'll drive from 1 to 11 p.m., which is a long shift, but I like to get a good mix of daytime rides and people ending their week, winding down, and then also some nightlife, some crazy stories, you know, some 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 people who are a little bit loose, and that's sometimes where I get some really good stories, and I have one of those on today's episode that you guys are going to fucking love. This guy was calling his kids fuck trophies. I, it was the most savage thing I think I've ever heard in my life, and I love it, and I love it, so we'll get to that, plus... Uh, a story called Meant to Be, 1,200 kilos of Coke, Pitch Me, and Tough Cookie. So those are the stories that we're going to get to in just a minute here. But Friday, Friday, I was just, I, I I got to the gym early, I finished my workout, and I drove, and I was on the road by 11.30 a.m. And short of two stops that I did uh, during the day to grab a little cliff Bar and, you know, take a piss in one of these gas stations... Um, actually, <laughs> I don't piss in the gas stations. What I do is just go to a hotel and act like I own the place and just walk right in. And most of them have lobbies, like uh, bathrooms in the lobby, and no one ever says anything to me. So I, I literally, that's that's what I did. And so I stopped twice and, and took kind of a, a little break to 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 grub for a second. But um. I got back right on road and I was driving until almost midnight on Friday. So I literally drove almost 12 hours straight and it was such a good day. I had such a fucking good Friday and met so many people. I gave 21 rides on Friday alone. 21 rides. That's crazy. Last week, it was actually a personal best for me because I gave, I did 60 rides. I completed 60 trips from Monday to Sunday. It was a hell of a week. We are really, really tapping into a special place and a grind that only I can do, that that only I'm capable of doing, you know what I mean? Because I make it for myself and I love to make things as hard as I possibly can on myself. And that's the kind of sicko I am. And so uh, it works and it's good. But that was Friday, uh, get done, and I got a lot of stories from Friday that we'll get to here in a minute. But then Saturday, you know, Saturdays I get up, I go to CrossFit on Saturdays, and then I got to celebrate the engagement of two people that I have known for a very long time, two friends of mine that I, one of them I played football with since youth league, since we were in like third or fourth grade, Jarrett. And then went on to play middle school and high school football together. And my good friend Whitney, one of my best girlfriends that uh, I've been close with, well, like friends with, and then like really, really kind of got closer in high school. But we lived in the same neighborhood in middle school, and her mom and my mom kind of were like, I don't know, friends or hung out at Starbucks for a little bit. You know how it goes. But uh, since fifth grade, I've known Whitney. And these two people have been dating for a long time. They were a, you know, a couple. They were high school sweethearts and college sweethearts. And they're finally getting married. And it's it, it's a be- it's going to be a beautiful celebration of their relationship. And I felt very, very honored and privileged because they sent out invites for their engagement party. And of course, you know, we have this really big group of friends and all of us are going to be invited to the wedding. But 
the engagement party that they held at their house out in Crestwood was a very hand-picked, intimate group. You know, obviously with COVID and everything, you just don't want that many people. And it was kind of like, hey, we want the people that we still talk to and like heavy, like super duper fuck with to be here. You know what I mean? And I, I, I was like, yeah, you know what? I didn't realize how small of a number um, you know, it, it, it was and how kind of a big deal it was to be there when I realized this. And I'm like, holy shit, guys, like I'm, I'm fucking honored. You know, my, my girlfriend Maddie and I went out there and I got to hang out with, uh, you know, a group of friends that I, you know, some of them I haven't seen in a while. Some of them, you know, I'll be honest, like I'm not extremely close with, you know, I see one guy in the gyms every once in a while and I see my other friend Jimmy every once in a while, big Jimmy. And I, I fucking love those guys though, you know, and, uh, my girlfriends, a lot of my good, good girlfriends were there and I've known them for so long, and I love my girlfriends, man. I mean, I got, like, 12 of these, like, girlfriends that I've known for a very long time, and, like, we all got, we all, you know, we always get together. We always used to party together and everything, and now it's it's crazy because now, like, one of them, uh, my friend Hannah, you know, she brings her baby Harper, who was just absolutely the cutest fucking kid I've ever seen in my life, has this little plaid Christmas skirt on with the white tights and I'm like oh my god Hannah can I please pinch your cheeks you know what I mean like this thing's cute as shit you know this thing you know look at me listen listen to me uh but it's just like you know I I felt like at some point we're doing this uh engagement party thing and we're all just at you know for the for the for the majority of it we were just chill we were just watching some football you know hanging out talking drinking beer I brought some sour beers and and got a little loose on the sour beers and more on that in a minute but um you know the thing that I I I was kind of like looking around and I had that the gif of Paul Rudd in whatever movie or interview I think it's on a stage and he's doing like an interview or something and he's like look at us who would have thought you know and I'm looking around the room going wow like these are people that I graduated with and that were like a year or two older than me and one of them's got a cute baby running around and these people are getting married and it's just like guys we're like adults like we're grown people doing this shit like we're really doing this shit you know and uh, it made me really happy it made me really happy to be there and uh, I I couldn't you know I Congratulations. Congratulations to Whitney and Jarrett. I wish you guys the best, and I know that you guys have a, a, a great relationship built on love and, um, you know, built over time and, and consistency over the years, and I'm really excited for you guys. So let me know when I can be the godfather to your children. Uh, just give me one of them. You know, I don't need all. Just, just hey, let me, Uncle Benny T, I'm, I'm the godfather over here, okay? So just keep that in mind. Oh, I, I, I just want to be in the running. I just want to be in the running. You know what I mean? So just, just uh, you know, little birdie, little birdie, okay? Well, at some point, there were some people that left, and then there was a group of us that were still kind of going strong, and we're all kind of sitting around, and I said, hey, do you guys want to play a game? You know, like, I want to play a game, you know? Not like that, but I was like, do you guys want to play a game? And they were like, yeah, what game do you want to play? Well, listen, if you know me, you know that I am a huge fan of the game Boom. I call it Boom. The game goes by a couple different names. Slap Cup is one of them. Stack, also another name. So you probably have either heard or seen this game 
Uh, slap cup gets really, really messy where you're literally slapping, and plus that defeats the purpose of the stack, which makes it harder. You know, two people have cups, you're bouncing a ping pong ball into the cup, everybody's standing around a table, and you are trying to make your ball into the cup before the person next to you, or, you know, either on your, your right or left, makes it into their cup. And if you do that, then you stack the person next to you. Can't stack back, so it has to be the person to your right. And if they're still fucking around with their shot and you drain yours, you stack that motherfucker. And what happens is that stack, now two cups high, slides down to the next person. The person that gets stacked has to pull a cup from the middle. They drink what's in the cup, and then it continues. Now they're bouncing, and those two are bouncing. And if the person gets stacked, now the stack is three cups high and it grows and it gets harder and it is an intense game but it's so fucking competitive and it's so exhilarating that I just have this abundance of of, of love and joy anytime that I get to play it and with COVID this year I have not got to play it at all I mean I miss and I long for the days in which I can be back in a big house full of 12 people down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, on the beach at Hangout, waking up, and our pregame for the day is just 15 games of boom. <laughs> like, I, 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 can't, I can't fucking contain how much I need that in my fucking life, okay? But, but... um. You know, it the game, it, it can be a lot to explain, and it can really be overwhelming, and especially it's stressful when you've got people screaming at you and everything, and uh, so I explain this game to the room and do a pretty good job of it, and honestly, I think I just nailed that explanation right there. I mean, you tell me. Did I get a 10 out of 10? Yeah, I think I got a 10 out of fucking 10. So I break it down for the room, and I'm like, guys, listen, I know that's a lot, but... Like there's and there's different rules, there's different nuances and everything. But I'm like, listen, the the quicker that we can start playing and you can visually see it instead of me trying to break it all down, I promise it'll make sense. I promise it'll make sense. So let's just get through one. And they were like, well, time out. Can you? Will you? Will you like, like referee for us? Like, will you sit one out and and like get us going? And I thought for a minute, I was like, you know what? Yes. Yes, I will. Yes, I fucking will. And here is, let me also back up to say this. Lately, I've been watching a lot of Survivor. Any Survivor fans listening to the podcast, let me hear you. Leave a comment. Let me know about it, okay? But I've never actually watched a uh, season of Survivor. I know, it's fucking crazy. There's 40 of them, and I'm just now... Showing up to the party, you know? Never late is better, I guess. Or whatever the fucking Drake quote is. But anyways, um, yeah, I I started watching, and the very first one, and and, and really, I did it right, because I always do. Um, Very first one that I watched was the Game Changers season, which is kind of like a best of the best. So I was getting, like, you know, some backstory on all these different players, and they voted Tony out really fast, and then Sandra was like, I'm the queen, and then they were like, no, you fucking not. It was awesome. And so 
I am literally have just like come off of binging Survivor the last week. And I really fuck with Jeff Probst, the host, because he's out here. And I'm just like, that would be so fun. That would be so fun to be like your job and you're narrating and you're just like, you know, you're just live calling a big challenge, you know, every day. Like that is sick as fuck to me. Uh, I would love to be able to do that. And so I am like you know, really deep into the survivor thing. And then they're like, will you sit out and like help us for a game? And I thought to myself, what would Jeff Prost do? I mean, what would Jeff do? You know what? He would stand there and he would get people going and he would get this thing off the runway and make sure that it could fly on its own and, and then we're off. So that's exactly what I did. And I helped out and I walked around the table and kind of just helped, you know, remind people, hey, you can't stack back. Hey, the cup, you know, the, the, the stack moves. Okay, you drink. And then as it really got into it and as I started to get more into it, you know, I'm going, Shelby's bouncing. She can't get it in. Oh, Ryan, he bounces it in. He gets it. Now he stacks. And now Shelby's got a drink. And now here comes Jimmy roaring back. And he gets it in his first first one and now he can pass it anywhere and so like it just became this whole fucking scene and literally every single one of these games we played three games we played three games and uh at the end of each one you know everybody's screaming and yelling and it's like oh and everybody's got their hands up and i'm literally jumping up and down just so fucking like amped up because it just makes me happy to be able to do that i don't know i I just i got a lot a lot of kick out of that and really really had a fun time and then uh the second and third games i played and you know listen i'm 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 kind of pretty fucking good okay i'm i'm not going to beat around the bush about it and uh you know but I, I i never got stacked i did get to stack a couple people which is always very very fun and um you know it, it was just a it was just a love of the game like it was a love of the game getting to play with my friends and being there and just being a part of it and uh the fact that you know i was still able even while i'm playing um, because I never, you know, I, I never got into a circumstance where, you know, I was worried about, you know, the two people around me hitting it, passing it, passing it back. And I, now I'm stuck and the, and the, like the stack is just like right next to me the whole time. And I'm just like, sometimes you get on, on your heels where you're literally just like trying to get it away from me the whole time, you know, and everybody's passing it to you. That happens, um, when I play with some other shooters that I know and any, any names that we're not going to mention. But here's the thing is like, because it was moving so much and no one really passed it um, around the table so much, you know, it, it really just kind of went clockwise. Then I was able to keep narrating and keep hyping it up and just be be that guy, be that guy, the hype guy. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It, I, I mean, I really had a lot of fun and so much fun that I came home. So my girlfriend and I get home, we play those three games, and then we come home around midnight, and we got a lot of, we picked up a lot of Taco Bell, if you, oh my god, if you guys have not tried this toasted cheddar chalupa, holy fucking shit, you need to go out and cop one of those, I'm not even playing, but I literally, 
I because I was so good last week and I've you know I'm, I'm hitting my weight and everything like that. And um, Saturdays are usually the day that I'll go and burn like a Chick Fil A meal or maybe eat some pizza or something like that. And because because I didn't do that earlier in the day, now I'm like, well, I I've, I've got this calorie deficit. What are what are we eating tonight? And I literally bought the the toasted cheddar chalupa, a beefy five layer burrito. Shouts to my OGs. And of course, <laughs> I bought the taco party pack. And for myself, just just for myself. And I'm like, you know, looking at Maddie and I'm like, hey, you can obviously have some of this if you want. But I bought that thing so I could sit there in bed and eat it. Um, we get home, and and honestly, this is I guess this is this is kind of a flex. She got like she got like a, a handful of things, you know, like three or four things. Twenty six bucks I spent at Taco Bell. That taco party pack thing is fucking expensive, but it's so good. It's so good. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was that was cool. Get home. And I have this, it's, 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 I called it an idol, um, and you're about to hear this. I called this an idol, and it's an old school microphone, like the one that you have as an emoji, like the old school broadcaster microphone looking thing, and it is like, um, I don't know, it's like, it's like, it's an idol, it's like a little stand, it's not real, and it's really light. But it sits up and it's like a kind of a decoration that my mom gave gave you know me when I moved into the condo. And when we get back, my brother's not there. He's gone. And it's just me and Maddie. And I'm loose, you know. I was on one. I was on one. And I'm walking around. Maddie goes in. She lays down pretty quickly and didn't even touch her food. And I don't touch my food yet either because now I've picked up this microphone and I'm walking around feeling really good, feeling just like totally just great. I mean, about my relationships, about the work that I'm putting in, about, uh, you know, not only on this podcast and on the road, 60 rides last week, but also um, in the gym. And whenever I go to CrossFit and do those workouts, even though they're fucking hard, I love that they're hard and that's why I go. So I'm really just feeling it. And I'm feeling myself. And I'm walking around looking in the mirror, and I'm speaking with this idol, and it's basically just me, and I'm rolling out on my foam roller, I'm staying loose, and I'm like, you know what, I'm kind of in, I'm, I'm kind of in a rare form right now, I need to go, I, I need to tape this, like I, this should be on tape, and so I go down, and I've got my studio that I've built for myself in the basement, and I flip on the microphone, and I just, I, I was already like, flowing and in this just stream of consciousness what 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 can only be called as a stream of consciousness and it was just really empowering and uplifting and i i get i get super raw right here this is this is me this is the real me this is i i'm really fighting back like um uh tears tears here like I'm you can't tell sometimes you can't tell if I'm laughing or crying and uh I I always try to laugh it off and can recover pretty quickly but sometimes like when I start when I really get into some deep shit some real shit some real fucking talk man 
I get emotional. I get really emotional. I'm overcome with emotion, and it just starts pouring out of me. And I got to play this for you guys because I, I just I just want you to hear it, and and I I just I just want you to hear how real this is for me. So this was me uh, on uh, you know past midnight on Saturday night. Here I go. <laughs> Goddamn, we are taping this at twelve thirty one a.m. on Sunday morning, Saturday night to me. We're just crossing over the midnight sessions. Brought to you by Benny T and Four Roses. That's love for the plug. Come on. Do I show y'all love? Come on. <laughs> man, I tell you what, man. Tonight, tonight, there's a theme that reigns true to me. There's a theme that reigns true to me. And I've just come from an engagement party for two friends that I've known for a very long time. And that I fucking love. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That's my fam right there. That's my people. That's my people. You know? That's who I'm pulling for right there. That's my team. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. You'll have to. Sorry. You'll have to uh, forgive me. I get a little emotional when I speak about things that are so important to me really important to me <laughs> and <yeah. laughs> honestly honestly for me it all comes down to the love of the game that's what it is man it's the love of the game it's the love of the game as you and yours versus the world versus everybody versus your community versus your college versus your job versus your anything man that's the human race it's all a race right it's all a game man it's the game it's a beautiful game it's a beautiful day it's a beautiful day to be you it's a beautiful day to be me <laughs> let's say that together one two three it's a beautiful day to be me yes it is yes it fucking is hell yeah it is <laughs> that's a good day for both of us and I'm here, and I'm with you, and that's what it is, man. That's what it is. We still here, doing well, though, you know? I get a little raw sometimes when I'm talking in the studio, and it's 1230, and I've been sipping on some fine sour beers. A lot of people hate on the sour beers, man. Listen, hey, <laughs> I like the sour shit. I like the pucker me up shit, you know, make my mouth water, like that watermelon sour beer, something like that. I found a new beer. It's a tangerine beer by Lost Coast, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. But I bought a couple of them. They're like Blue Moon. They're like good. I, I, they're, they're great. They're great, you know? Drink responsibly. <laughs> we celebrate responsibility here, all right? But do you, you know? Do you, boo? That, that, that's what it is. So good for you. Good for you. Good for you. And as always, toast that four roses, the good life. Look up some of Four Roses' old ads, The Good Life. You'll see a beautiful picture. <sighs> Love y'all. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, man, we uh, came from this engagement party, and it was really fun, and it was really a good time. And um, it was a group of people that I've known, a lot of them for a very long time. And it was just good to be in a room with people that just care about you and that you feel care about you genuinely you know 
don't want anything from you, don't need anything from you, but it's just all love. It's just all love, man, and that's what it is. It's all love, and real recognize real, and that's why we talk real. That's, that's you know, I, I'm here to be honest. I'm here to be honest about myself, and if that helps someone else, then God damn it, light that torch and run, kid. Go for it deep, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, Go up and get yours. You got to go up and get yours. You got to be willing to go up and get it. <laughs> I was fucking around earlier and I was walking around and I've got this idol in my house. It's it's uh, an old school microphone, like the one that's an emoji. And it's, an, you know what I'm talking about? It looks like it could have been in that, uh, that, oh, what's that kid's movie with the microwaves and shit? I can't remember that, but that was... That's somewhere floating out in the distance. I don't know. We're not. We're not worried about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was we talking about again? God damn, I'm off at it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> god damn. But yeah, go up and get it. Go up and get it. Earlier, <laughs> there it is. I was talking about with yourself, man girl whatever it is whoever it is whoever you are go up and get it if it's coming across the middle but they threw it to you you gotta you got a commitment to that go catch it whatever it is you're working you're running one day you're gonna look back over your shoulder and there's gonna be somebody that's floated this dime out to you and suddenly it becomes picture clear and you're like damn I'm gonna catch this shit and take this into a next season of my life I'm a score on this whatever I'm like this is a I'm scoring on this and take it deep go up and get it go up and get it don't scared to <laughs> don't be scared to go across the middle you know for the love of the game for the love of the game for the love of the game <sighs> I love each and every one of you <laughs> honestly I, I mean that's that's real that's real if you're listening to this and it clicks with you and it vibes with you, excuse me as I hit my big, this is my Yeti. My girlfriend got me. It's awesome. I'm able to stick all of the decals for the teams, the mini teams. I wear mini shirts. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a disgusting uh, team jumper and it's, uh, it's good. It's fun. You know, you're never losing. You're never losing. I need that. You know, I need that shit. So it's good shit but goddamn that that keeps us right that keeps us right coming back from these sour beers mm -mm -mm. <laughs> but goddamn go up and get it man go up and get it go play a little ball yourself go play a little ball yourself because that's what we came here to do you know sneakers tied ready to play ball line them up let's get it let's get it that's real love y'all Peace. <laughs> so I don't I don't end up coming back up. You know, I tape that and edit it and I stick it up on on my feed and it goes live on Sunday morning. And uh, finally, around like one something, I walk upstairs and realize I've got all this $26 worth of Taco Bell sitting around that I haven't even fucking touched yet. 
and uh, I toss on Survivor, another episode, and I eat and pass out. And uh, that was just, uh, you know, that that's like, I, I always come back to this quote. Uh, Drake said in one of his songs, how am I keeping it real by keeping this shit to myself? And when I can, when I, when I feel like I can come on and share that, that part of me and like, you can just hear how emotional I am. Uh, that's, that's, that's how much like I love my friends. That's how much I love being around people that, that, that I love that much. And, um, that's how deeply I care about people. Uh, really, 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 really. And, uh, I don't know, man. It was it was an awesome night. So congrats again to Whitney and Jarrett. Um, then Sunday, Sunday rolls around, and uh, as per usual, whenever I have a night like that, uh, I didn't really get a lot of sleep. I just I, I like I, I just haven't been sleeping very well lately. But I I get up, and uh, Maddie goes home, and I I don't even watch hardly any of the NFL games that day. I go to the sauna. And I, I do some yoga up in the sauna and just get my body loose and sweat it out. And then I was a few rides short of hitting this incentive. And so I drove on Sunday from like 2 to 7 p.m. And uh, I think I honestly, I think I might end up start like doing this and having a little Sunday service in the whip because the stories that I got and like now um, from yelling on Saturday and from low sleep um, and speaking and talking literally all day on Friday and then on Sunday too, like my voice is just shot. And anybody that gets in the car on Sunday, I'm like telling them like, hey guys, you know, my, I'm sorry, like I lost my voice a little bit yesterday and you'll have to kind of just bear with me with that part of it. And they're like, oh, you know what, hey, we don't know you at all, so it doesn't sound any different to us, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, that's, that's a pretty good point. And now I don't feel in any type of way about it. So, um, but man, I was just like, I was, I was so tired and just like taking my time that um, it, it ended up being a really great Sunday. And I, and, I, and I got some great stories that are on today's podcast from some of my Sunday riders. So Sunday service. I, I'm, you know, I, I've had this Sunday routine where I spend a lot of time watching all the football games and the Red Zone channel. But the, the games this weekend kind of sucked. And I, I just really wasn't feeling it. And I, I needed to hit this ride incentive. And so that's what I did. And uh, I can tell you, I can tell you that this might be an emotional one. I still, I still am in my feels and I still am like very raw and like my voice is still a little hoarse, uh, but that's okay. I'm, but I'm just going to tell you now, uh, there are definitely some parts in this where I'm, where I might get a little emotional. You might get a little emotional. I would imagine that you do. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and jump into these stories. I got a couple quickies and then we'll get to the stories. The stories today meant to be fuck trophies. 1,200 kilos of Coke, Pitch Me, and Tough Cookie. We'll end with Tough Cookie, a really, really uplifting story that I can't wait to share with you guys. And then at the end, we will do Fastest Two Minutes in Sports, but here's where we start today. A couple quickies. I got three quickies for you. So we'll call this writer Mary. And for the quickies, you know, I titled the I titled the bigger stories, but for the quickies, I'm not going to title these. We'll just call this writer Mary. Uh, this was a funny one because... I was playing Feel Like I Do by Vin Diesel, okay? And this is on, uh, this is earlier last week. Listen, I know what you're thinking, okay? I had the same reaction that you probably just had 
The first time my girlfriend told me Vin Diesel has a song out, I went, okay, that's probably fucking trash, right? I was like, hell no, I'm not going to listen to that. But I finally broke down and gave in only, oh, listen, there's the only reason, literally the only reason, because Kygo and Kygo's music label Palm Tree Records produced it. And I shit you not, it's a bop. It's a bop. First of all, Kygo does not miss. This man has the Midas touch, okay? Undisputable. And then, it's Vin Diesel's vocals on this Kygo beat, and if that doesn't go to show that Kygo is just the fucking goat, then I don't know what does. He made a hit with Vin Diesel singing, okay? But the other thing is, like, listen to Marshmello's Hello Remix, or listen to the Delusion Remix of the song Shivers by J.B. Cooper, bop. Or fucking anything by DJ Snake. EDM uses voice distortion all the time. So hearing an abnormally deep or high-pitched voice, it really isn't anything new. And Vin Diesel sounds good. He kind of kills it. He kind of kills it. Feel like I do. Look it up and thank me later. So Mary hops in, and we're kind of chit-chatting at the beginning, and the album artwork for the single is Vin Diesel's face. It's like his picture. And she sees it on the headrest monitor that I have in my in my car and realizes that's what's playing and it's his voice. And she goes, Vin Diesel sings? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I said, I know, I know, I know what you're thinking, okay? But when this song comes through on the hook, you tell me if it's a bop or not. And I turn it up and the drop hit and I'm dancing in the front, you know, I'm bobbing my head. And I said, it's kind of a bop. It's kind of a bop. And she was like, oh my goodness, I would never in a million years, he didn't have to do this. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And then she says, this is the musical equivalent of the Sean Connery sci-fi movie where he had, on the, he had on the red diaper and the ponytail and he had knee-high black boots on. Everybody's got bills to pay, though, so whatever, man. Keep getting paid. I said, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's too bad, though. You know, she goes, eh, I've heard worse. But yeah, yeah, if you ever want a good laugh, check out that movie. It's called Zardoz. It's a 1974 movie, and all I remember is that Sean Connery spent the majority of the movie in a red diaper with black knee-high boots on and a braid that goes all the way down to his waist and a holster of bullets on him. And the Zardoz is like this being or entity, and at one point it comes up out of the sky and says, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me get this straight. And Mary thinks for a minute. She closes her eyes, and she says, the penis is bad because the penis shoots seeds of life. The gun is good because it takes life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you ever need a really good laugh, you give it a whirl. And I'm like, I got to see a picture of this. So she pulls up a picture of Sean Connery in the movie Zardoz and held it up for me as I'm driving. And we just shared this big old laugh because it's a ridiculous looking photo. And I was saying to her, you know, that that sounds a lot like that. That whole thing. Obviously, I haven't seen it, but sci-fi movie with tights and a dude's bulge. It sounds a lot like this movie that this 40-something that I used to mess with out in California years ago made me watch called Labyrinth with David Bowie. Has anybody ever seen that movie? And she starts laughing, and I was like, yo, I'm watching, like, what is this? Yo, what is this? 
And I, I don't I don't know why. I just I feel like there were hella weird movies like that. If anybody's ever seen Return to Oz, the 1985 like sequel to Wizard of Oz, like I don't know. I feel like these are all like distantly related kind of weird sci-fi robot-y movies, bulges. I, I don't know. I'm scarred, basically. Anyways, it was a good laugh, and Mary left me a compliment when she rated me, and it was for excellent service, and she said, May you enjoy Zardoz. Well, that was very nice of you, Mary. Not your real name, of course, but you know who you are. Thank you very much. Thanks for the laughs. And you know what? Somebody else left me another compliment for excellent service as well and said, have a great holiday. Hey, all right, all right. Well, thank you, my friend. You as well. Now, this other quickie, these next two are really quickies. Um, We'll call this woman Denise. She's an old woman, all right? And she's 85 years old, this woman, she told me. And I helped her. I picked her up down on 39th Street, and I was taking her to a doctor's appointment. And, you know, I see that uh, she is walking out of, like, her front door, and she's going really slow, and she's got this cane. And so I get out of my car, and I walk around, and I open up the gate to her front yard, and I let her get through it, and I shut her gate for her, and I opened up her door for her, and make sure that she gets in there nice and tight and everything like that, you know what I mean? And then shut the door, and then off we go. And when we started talking, and she said she was 85 years old, I said, what's the key to life? (laughs) And she said, huh, the Lord. (laughs) And you know what? Yeah, what do I say to that? You know, what do I say to that? That's yeah, sure it is. You know, yeah, it is. Why? Why not? You know, that was great. That was great. And then, uh, final, final little quickie here. Um, really, it was just a beautiful moment. This was Sunday, and I had these two Asian writers that got in, and I was playing uh, this rap playlist, and "Forever Young" by Jay Z off the Blueprint Three album comes on. And, you know, he's, it's got that beautiful, um, you know, singing verse in it. And uh, both of them, one of them, the, the, the girl first, she starts singing that song. Forever young, I want to be forever young. I, I listen, I told you my voice is hoarse. So the fact that I just gave you those bars, you should be thankful. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll just see myself out. <laughs> Um, but as she starts singing it, and she had a good voice, you know, she had a good voice. Well, as she starts singing it, her, like, husband or boyfriend or whoever it was, um, he starts singing it, and he starts joining her. And the the two or three times that the, the singing part comes on, they sang it. And they, you know, they were speaking in... Um, I, I don't know if they were I, I don't know of what Asian descent they were so I don't know if they were speaking Japanese or Chinese or Vietnamese or Korean or but they were speaking you know some kind of an Asian language okay and uh, the whole time and and we really hadn't spoken besides like hey how you doing good deal all right let's go and so while they're singing that song I'm driving along and I'm kind of singing it under my mask. And I, I didn't know if it would be like totally weird to just like start singing with them. I just wanted, I, 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 and, and honestly, like I didn't want to impose on their moment. Like it was just a really beautiful moment. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to like inject myself into that. 
And so I just let them have their moment. And uh, when we pulled up, they were going to dinner at like Riverhouse or something. And when we pulled up, they said, thank you. And I turned around and I said, hey, guys, thanks for that beautiful moment. You guys singing that, that was awesome. And they, they were like, oh, my gosh, thank you. You know, they thought it was awesome. And I was like, fuck yes. Like, that was awesome to me. So that kind of made their night. That made my night. And uh, it made the podcast. So congratulations, my friends. Meant to be. We'll call this writer Amy. So I pick Amy up downtown on Sunday afternoon, and she was like, oh, the app is doing something so weird. Both Uber and Lyft, the price kept jumping up and down, and first it was saying $20 and $25. So I said, okay, let me wait a minute. Okay, now it's $15, but then my card wasn't correct, so I went back in and fixed it. Now it says 20 again. So I felt like I was playing Russian roulette trying to find the right moment to pull the trigger and order the ride. And I think what was happening was was probably there was such a dramatic price change based on the number of drivers, and there must have been so few drivers on Sunday, this is Sunday night, that the difference of one person's availability caused that much of a price swing. And when she's and and she's literally just watching it play out in real time. Like, oh, there's three drivers online. Now there's two. And that's why I think, you know, or or, or like however it was, but I think I think that's what was happening. And so she was asking if I had been exceptionally busy lately. And I was just saying, yeah, because, you know, a, a lot of, even though like a lot of stuff is, has been shut down, um, a lot of the people that drove for Uber just kind of like for fun or in their spare time or as like just something to kill time or like whatever, a lot of those people have dropped and don't drive for Uber anymore because of the, the pandemic. And, and, you know, understandably so. Do you, boo? But um, because the amount of rides have decreased, but the number of drivers has also decreased, it's been kind of a proportional thing. And so I can turn on the app and I can be busy all day long and it's like nothing has changed for me. So I'm, I'm cool with it, right? And I kind of broke down my week and I said that, you know, uh, Fridays I like to work a little bit longer, usually do like 10 to 12 hours and, and, and get a good mix of midday riders and nighttime riders because I make a podcast out of all the stories. Really? Where can that be found? She says. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, new episodes on Wednesdays. And I've begun telling people this, the people who ask about the podcast, hey, where can I find it? I say, listen, I hope you're not offended by foul language. And if you are, I'm probably not the show for you. You know, like that's just like, let's just get over it and act like it. They're just like, you know what I mean? Like if you're offended by foul language, then I'm not for you. Turn me off right now. Okay. And she says, no, 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 that doesn't offend me at all. Well, a few more minutes go by and we've been talking and the route that this thing had spit out had told me to get on to 264 and then take that to 64 East, get off at 5A on 65 South, and then off at whatever exit is near Shelby Street. And the pickup was deeper on 35th Street, and I guess it was close enough to the 264 ramp that Waze was saying this was going to be the fastest route. Now, I now realize how dumb that is because I could have just gone to Hill Street and it would have taken me straight there. Well, I just go where the thing tells me to go, man. And luckily, she was cool. But but looking at that route, I realize now that that seems super unnecessary. And I, listen, it's not my fault. I literally just, I go where this thing tells me, okay? 
But anyways, the highway route is the one that we take. Well, as we're talking, I get carried away in the conversation. And I realize I need to get off at the exit that I'm just about to pass. And I'm realizing also that there's just no way that I can safely maneuver switching lanes that fast um, and fast enough while slowing down not to pass this exit. So I I just, I'm not going to be able to get over and get off in time and safely. Not a move I'm going to try to make, especially with a rider in the car, you know? It would literally be that, it would literally be the meme of uh, the dude burning rubber trying to get to the to the right one. You know what I'm talking about? And like the two signs and it's like, Arr! yeah, we're not trying to do that in real life, okay? So I pass 5A, but I'm like, no biggie, okay, it's okay. I can still get off at Story Avenue and we're going to be fine. So I say to her, as I always do when this happens, it, it, not a lot, you know. Honestly, I'm 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 pretty on top of it. Uh, but there have been a couple times where I've I've missed an exit or I've missed a turn or the street, and it's usually just because I'm I'm just getting confused on what the thing is telling me to do, or uh, straight up like I'm in a conversation with this person and I I get I get distracted because of that. And when that's happened. I just tell the rider like, hey, I, I am so sorry. I just missed that exit or or that street or that turn or whatever. And I just do it immediately. And if you're quick to own it, you know, most people are like, no worries, dude. That's just, ha- that's, and, and like, that's, that's how I am. It's like, just tell me, let me know. And that way you don't have somebody sitting in your car that thinks you're trying to go the long way. Or get more money from them, you know? Like how many of you listening to this have been in an Uber where the guy literally doesn't speak or literally doesn't speak any English and misses a turn or an exit or something and and guys, okay, I can speak for guys, we immediately think, this guy's trying to fuck me out of more money, right? And girls immediately, I would imagine, think the same thing but also, oh my God, is this guy kidnapping me right now? All of that can be neutralized instantly by just saying, hey, I'm so sorry. I totally missed that one. And because usually whenever this has happened to me, it's it's because I'm in the middle of a conversation with the writer. And, and when I tell them, they're like, oh, dude, I don't care. And then we go right back into our conversation. Okay, so as this is all unfolding, I apologize, play it cool. But inside my head, I'm flustered. I hate fucking up. And I, I don't want anybody to think that like I'm trying to get more money or like extend this ride or anything, you know? I'm like, no, that's not it. I just, uh, you know, my bad. Like, but I, I hate fucking up, you know? I'm I, I, I'm a perfectionist sometimes to a fault. But I don't let it, but I don't let on that I got, you know, that, that that's stressing me out. I just keep asking questions and then I'm looking at my phone trying to figure out the route and it's saying, get off at exit 7, Story Avenue. But now I'm in my own head, and instead of taking exit 7, I take exit 6 to 71. Okay, and I know, I know, I fucked up twice, all right? In my defense, it's a weird exit. I was tired, overthinking it, I just and I jumped the gun. I got off too early instead of too late this time. And I know that's not a good explanation of why, um, but, I, but I can't really explain it other than it was just supposed to happen that way. Well, that's great, but now that I'm on 71, I have to drive a couple miles up to Zorn Avenue, get off, backtrack, and all of this is happening, and I should have never even been on the highway in the first place, okay? So, luckily, though, 
Amy wasn't even worried about it at all. She's like, well, I'm going to an AA meeting, so I'm going to walk in a little bit late, but they're gonna, they'll, they'll forgive me. I shouldn't have waited so long. I played around trying to get a good price. And I said, just blame it on Uber. I mean, that's the most legitimate excuse in the world. Like, I couldn't get an Uber. I'll, I'll take that for you. You know, I'll take that blame for you. She said, hey, thank you. And I asked, how long have you been sober? I will have a year on December 16th. So special shout out to Amy. Not your real name, of course, but you know who you are. You're coming up on a year of sobriety, and that's amazing, and that's fucking awesome, and I know that it was hard to get here, and you probably thought a week into this thing or maybe three days into this thing that it was going to be the most difficult thing that you've ever had to do in your life, but you know what? Here you are almost an entire 365 days down the road. Literally, this is coming out on Wednesday the 9th, so a week from today will be the 16th, and that'll be a full year for you, and you fucking did it, girl. So keep rocking it. Keep fucking doing it. That's awesome. Congratulations. Well, I tell her congratulations and say that's awesome, and um, she says, thank you, thank you. Life has really turned around for me, too. It's pretty amazing. I'm going to get emotional talking about this shit. It's awesome. She says, thank you. Life has really turned around for me, too. It's pretty amazing. Well, I'm already emotional and, and, and from being like tired and still in that love of the game mode that I was in the night before. And when she says that, she just sounds so proud and confident and happy that it just hits me right in the feels. And I say, oh, you're going to make me cry. And we both laugh, you know, and, and I say, I, I love to hear that. That's awesome. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. I broke my life so bad I thought it would never be fixed. And I don't know. I mean, you can imagine I was a professional and I just broke my life. And it's actually in the process of being fixed right now in a whole different way. And I've got a whole new career now that I never would have had the courage to pursue. I was a 20-year state employee. And I was going to stay there until I hit my 25 years and retire from my desk. And I lost that. But I'll still get my retirement later in life. But I never would have had the courage to make a change. And I was forced into it by my own actions. And it's going to be pretty cool, my new life. My second career is going to be pretty cool. I work in recovery now. Wow, that is so amazing, I say. It is. It is. It really, really is. You just never know how life... If something happens in life that you think is the worst thing that could ever happen, you know what? Everything in life is either a blessing or a blessing in disguise. I say, this year has really hammered that point home. She said, oh, I bet. I bet it's been a struggle. And I thought about where I, you know, what, what, what I wanted to say to her. What's the most important thing that I, that I want to just like say to connect with her and let her know that I'm, I'm connected with her. And I say, some things, you can't see it in the moment because you're in the midst of it and it's happening and all the little things, they don't add up when you're in it. But you get done and you get further along and you just keep moving forward and then all of a sudden, you start to piece it all together and then you go, man, that's the reason. Now I see why it didn't work out. And now, even though I thought it was the end of the world at the time, it ended up being the best thing that could have ever possibly happened to me. It sucked to go through. 
it was really fucking hard. And she says, I'm glad it's over. And we both start laughing. And she says, I cannot express to you how glad I am that the hard part is over. We call that hindsight. And hindsight is always 2020. So then you have to start remembering this. I tell my son this too. Once you go through something and you see how it worked out for the best, you got to remember that the next time you go through something else, there will always be another side to this. And you're going to be able to look back on it and you're going to be able to see the blessing and it's going to be okay. What was your rock bottom? (sighs) DUI number four in about four years and eight months in jail. I sure did. I'd never been to jail except for the DUI overnights. And number three, I spent 19 days. And then four, they said, you know what, Mrs. Redacted Last Name? This is a very serious offense, and you have a very serious problem. And we're going to protect you and society and put you away for a while. And they did. And I never thought I was going to live through it. But I did, right here in Louisville. Just making it to the end of the sentence. Yeah, yeah, just the misery of that. I cannot describe that misery. Uh, yeah, it, uh, you just take it one step at a time. You sleep and read the time away. Did you have to share a cell with anybody? Oh, yeah. I was in with about 20 different women, and I slept on a mat on a concrete floor because I did not want to go back in the back with all the bunks because that's where all the fighting and the drugs and the sex was going on. So I slept literally on a mat towards the front on a concrete floor, and I read a book, and I slept... I played spades, and I read books, and I slept, and I didn't smile for eight months. And it took me a while when I got out to realize what it meant to feel human again. But you know what? The great thing about it is I'll have a good story for somebody else who throws away what they think is their life. And a lot of people, they'll end their life if they've lost so much. They think they can't come back from it but they absolutely can come back from it. (laughs) I mean, is that the fucking gospel or what? I, I, I said to her, I think that's the power of the room. And she said, yeah, yeah. To be able to share that, that hope. Absolutely. It is. And, and honestly, like it's the same reason that I do this podcast. I want to share and be open and honest about my experiences and it's why I love driving because I can connect with so many people and I can tell them all the things that I wish someone had told me. I can be for them what I've always wished that I've had and I do have those things and those people now but the reason that I do what I do is because I never want anyone to feel as shitty and as abandoned and as hopeless as I have at different times of my life. So I stay right here, playing the game for the love of the game and for the love of others. That keeps me here. And I don't know who the first person to say this was. I know there are many iterations of this. But this is for anyone who's struggling right now or has suffered loss, loss of a job, loss of a loved one due to COVID or substance abuse or suicide, the loss of a friend. 
This is for any of you out there who feel like you're a lost cause or that you're so far gone. You got to know this, and I need you to hear me right now. Anything lost in life can be found again. And that's real shit. That's real talk. Anything lost can be found again except time wasted. There's nothing you can't come back from. Take it from me, man. I was done. I was down and out. I thought it was... I. <laughs> I thought I, I thought my world has ended like a million different times, but really, really a handful of, of, of times where I thought it was I was done. Like my like this is as far as I'm gonna get in this game. This is it. And I thought it was the end of the world not getting the spot that I was trying to get back in the quarantine, you know, at, at the, the radio station. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me. That fucking guy can't even send me a text back. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank you for sleeping on me thank you for that because your failure has sparked my success and it lit a fire under me that I haven't felt since the spring of 2012 so watch out because here I come roaring the fuck back and it's the thing that motivates me to keep going that motivates me to keep pushing forward and keep working and keep driving and keep writing because conversations and stories like that give me so much energy. And even when I'm drained, even when my voice is hoarse, even as I'm sitting here recording this right now, it's 1238. The thing just turned 1238 a.m. on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. So this is going to drop later and I've got a full day tomorrow. But you know what? This is important to me. And all of this stuff is important to me. And that's what gives me the drive to keep going. Because you never know what you might say or be inspired to say to somebody that can make all the difference in the world. And that's exactly what Amy said to me, coming back to wrap a neat little holiday bow on the story. That's exactly what she said. You never know what you might say or, or be inspired to say to somebody that can make all the difference in the world. And she said, I'm so glad you missed your exit. <laughs> we were both laughing because she said, I probably wouldn't have had time for me to open up like that. And I said, I am so glad. You know, I hate that I did that. And she says, it's okay. And you're sitting here negotiating the prices when it ends up being a fucking wash anyways. <laughs> oh, I am so sorry. And she said, no, I mean, it was obviously something that was meant to happen. I believe that. I believe I distracted you. And actually, I believe that it was supposed to happen. This is better than the AA meeting. <laughs> well, that's a pretty great compliment and a note to end on. I got her to her destination. I gave her a card with the podcast info on it. And she said, this is going to be my first podcast ever, so I'll be listening. Amy, of course, not your real name, but you know who you are. That was truly a special ride, a special connection, and I wish you the best of luck in your new career and on hitting one year of sobriety one week from today. That's amazing, and I want you to stand up right now no matter where you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Take a fucking bow for the crowd who you can't see right now, but who are all on their feet giving you a standing ovation. We are with you. We ride together, and I just want you to know that you are fucking loved, so keep pushing forward for the love of the game, for the love of the game. Fuck trophies. We're going to 
bring the mood back up with a little bit of a comedic relief right here. We're going to call this writer Buzz, all right? This one occurred towards the end of my night on Friday night. It was like the fourth to last one of the day, so probably somewhere around like 10 p.m. Well, I'm hustling downtown for most of the day, and I wanted rides that were going to keep me downtown so I could hit this geographical incentive and rack up a bunch of these $3 bonuses. Basically, Uber does these ride incentives where if you complete a number of rides, you get uh, a, you know like a, a set number at the end, but then they also have incentives for... Um, a certain territory in Louisville, like the core of downtown Louisville, that they have marked off. And if you give rides within that territory, then you get like they they do uh you know per ride bonuses. So sometimes it's two dollars, sometimes it's three dollars. The most that I've ever seen is five dollars extra rides, and that'll be like for big events. You know what I mean? When there's st- when there's something going on, because it's gonna suck to sit in traffic, and you might not be able to get as many rides, but if you get a little bonus per ride, eventually it usually, you know, kind of washes out. But the thing is, if you're not in that geographical territory and you start a ride outside of it, it doesn't count, you know? You don't get that. Or if it's a a, a ride incentive and it's saying all rides must start in inside Louisville, well, then rides that uh, start in Indiana don't do me any good, Right? So I declined probably five in a row that were way outside of the city and heading in the opposite direction and not going to bring me back in. So I was like, hell not, to each and every one of those rides. But then one comes in, and it's a southern Indiana pickup, but I see that it's a six-minute ride headed south, meaning I'll drive over and be headed right back into the zone. Perfect. So usually I, I, I don't go to Indiana for rides, but this was like the best thing that had come up in the last 15 minutes. I'm trying to get rides, not trying to sit around at, you know, <laughs> just just like not doing anything. So I said, fuck it, let's get it then. Well, I pick up Buzz, who hops in the front seat, and Buzz's wife and another couple that they're with, and they all fit three in the back seat. And as soon as they pile in, you know, they're having a good time. They're toasty. And the ladies just start cracking us all up. And they're raving about the TVs, the headrest monitors in the back. They're like, this is a Hyundai? This is nice. One of them goes, it smells great in here. What is that, vanilla? Somebody got vanilla in here? And the other one's going, what is that, new car? I go, no, it's, uh, I, I think it's just me. And the guys are in on it now, and they're going, hey, and I'm like, I'm that guy, you know, and they're going, hey, it's me, it's me, and they're hyping me up, and we're cruising over the bridge back over to Kentucky now, and one of the ladies says, so are you from Kentucky? Yes, ma'am. And do you normally do both Kentucky and Indiana? No, actually, I usually just stay over here in Kentucky. And the other one baiting me into saying Indiana drivers suck, which they kind of do, okay, says, got something against Indianians? (laughs) And I said, you know what? A lot of the incentives that Uber does are based in Louisville. So to come across the bridge and pay the toll and then to have it not even count towards my ride incentive doesn't make a lot of sense. She quickly pivots and says, well, that was nice of you to come and not make sense for us. (laughs) Well, all the other requests that were coming in were going to take me 20 minutes out of the city, and that also didn't make a lot of sense. So you guys were, you know, not my first 
or second or third or even fourth option, but fifth. And one of them goes, ah, I said, no, I'm just fucking with you guys. Well, Buzz is sitting next to me and says, hey, we're getting a ride regardless, aren't we? So, hey. And the lady says, your car is warm and smells like vanilla and I'm happy about it. And look at these. And she points to the headrest monitors. He's a sole survivor. Yeah. Which stokes the rest of them in unison to start going, yeah, like Jeezy. Listen, every once in a while, I just need I need rap to power me through and give me a boost. And I had been driving since 11.30 a.m. that morning with only two little quick breaks. So by 10 p.m. at night, yeah, man, my soul needs some Jeezy. Usually I keep this Uber Bangers playlist on loop, and that's all EDM. Uh, Apple Music and Spotify people, um, it's available, so you can go and download that if you want to know, you know, if you want to follow along with the songs that I play when I'm driving people around. 85-year-old grannies that tell me that the the key to life is the Lord, we're banging Kygo usually, okay? But um, I also have this rap playlist that I've been building. And that shit bops, and that shit bops. Even middle-aged moms dig Soul Survivor, dude, okay? So, I mean, I can't miss, you know? One of them says, can you believe we're parents? We raised these. We actually do this. And I don't know if she was pointing at a picture of, like, on her phone of, of, like, her background, you know, of her kids, or she was pointing at me, and and I'm like, uh, either way, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome, I say. Guy sitting behind me asks, how old are you? 28 28 somebody says holy poop (laughs) buzz says kids married oh no oh no no lady goes oh he says oh no and we we all laugh and then one of the women asks so what's something we should do we're celebrating his birthday oh who yours and i look at buzz and he smiles and he nods his head and i'm like nice well happy birthday dude one of the ladies throws him under the bus and says, 45, 45. <laughs> and Buzz smiles under his hat again and nods and says, 45. His buddy in the back says, looks good. I go, fuck yeah, he does. Rock it, man. Buzz is still smiling. He goes, I can still get a hard on. His wife says, I mean, I guess that makes me feel good. And Buzz, who's still smiling like a dog up there, goes, it normally does make you feel good. <laughs> savage. Fucking savage. So the whole car erupts in laughter. Buzz is still smiling up there like a dog and goes, it normally does make you feel good. <laughs> Fucking savage. The, the car erupts in laughter. Okay. And her friend in the back says... This is his wife. She's only 21. Guy behind me says, yep, she's a gold digger. I said, get it how you live it. So the friend says, so what should we do? What should we do? What should we do tonight? Well, I think you should rip some shots of some good vodka and Red Bull and just see where the night takes you. Guy behind me says, I like where his head's at. I'm just going to go rapid fire here, okay? Buzz says, so where are you from? Louisville? Yep. What are you doing here? I am uh, trying to get my podcast picked up and driving for Uber. Oh, yeah? What's your podcast? It's called Real Talk with Ben Tompkins, and I'm Ben Tompkins. Nice to meet you guys. I like your name, Ben Tompkins. Thank you. It sounds like an elf. 
Good podcast name. <laughs> like an elf, I say. Ben Tompkins. What's it about? It's about all the people I meet driving for Uber. Shut up! And all the interesting conversations we have. Yeah. You gonna talk about us? Yeah. Oh, this is gonna be on a podcast? These drunk motherfuckers riding around. This 45-year-old about to go home and get some Gatorade. Oh, oh. I'm gonna be like, hey, he said it worked, and his wife was like, nah, and he said, works on you. <laughs> and the car erupts in laughter again. He goes, we got three fuck trophies at home, man. And his wife goes, stop. We have three children. They're gorgeous. And I say, fuck trophies. I have never in my life heard kids referred to as fuck trophies, but I love that. He said, yeah, they're my fuck trophies for sure. <laughs> that's, that's the most savage thing I think I've ever heard in my life. And I handed him a couple cards and we pulled up to the destination and she said, thank you, Ben Tompkins. I will listen. I said, every Wednesday. And now like everybody's kind of climbing out of the car and she's climbing out of the middle seat and she yells out of the car, every fucking Wednesday to her friends. <laughs> and she shuts the door and the guy sitting behind me hands me a 20. And it was probably my favorite ride out of the 21 that I did that day. The energy, a million questions at a time, picking and choosing which line I want to play off of or respond to, being quick on my feet, people laughing and carrying on because I got them going, the ladies having a ball, the guys are cool as shit, they're along for the ride, they're enjoying it, tossing out gems like fuck trophies, straight gold, my friend. For a lot of people, that scenario kind of stresses them out to imagine themselves not only like being in the midst of it all these people talking and in your ear and but also like um being the one driving and trying to focus on what's going on and not lose that focus but to me like I love the chaos I live for the frenzies and I'm totally cool just cruising staying smooth and having a little ball myself we're having a ball we're having a ball over here if you guys ended up listening to this, great to meet you all. Buzz, you know who you are. Happy birthday. You're a fucking savage, and I love you for it. Send this to a few of your friends and tell them you ride with Benny T. 1,200 kilos of Coke. We'll call this rider Jimmy. I scooped Jimmy up two rides after Buzz in that group, so I'm in a good mood, right? I'm rolling, and I had mentioned that I was playing rap for the most of the day on Friday. Well, after Buzz and the Fuck Trophies ride... I was feeling it. I'm feeling myself, you know? So I throw on the album that always gives me good vibes and I come back to constantly and at different points in my life, but Graduation. Kanye West Graduation. I throw it on while I'm on my way to Jimmy. Good Morning Runs. And then I pull up to pick him up and Champion is playing when he gets in and sits down. And his face fixates on the monitor in front of him and the first thing he says is, whoa, that's a really good album. And a real good song. I just started it, so we're going to run it through right here. He says, I shop so much I can speak Italian. <laughs> Shit. And we both start laughing. You have a good week, man? Yeah, dude. Definitely a good week. Got my car back. My car got stolen about mm, three weeks ago, and it got recovered this week. Oh, shit. The guy stole it, cleared my stuff out, sold it to some lady, then they found her outside of a Meyer parking lot with a bunch of needles and shit in Jeffersonville. Oh, fuck. So they recovered the car, but all the stuff's gone. But hell, I wasn't too worried about it, as long as I got the car back. Like the radio and shit, or what? 
Nah, the radio was fine. They just took all the tools I had in there. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of tools? Yeah, it was a good amount. Most of my cousin's stuff. He owns his own trim and carpeting business, so there was a couple saws and, I don't know, a couple other things. Where was it when it got stolen? Old Louisville. You know Oak Street? Yeah, the corner of Oak and Barrett. Just parked there overnight or what? Yeah, so, well, I... Drop my keys from my girlfriend's place from where she parks and her apartment. Somewhere in between there, I dropped them. And the guy picked them up, tried every car till it worked. And it wasn't like he had to do a lot like to choose from. There were only four in the road. So, yeah. What a fuck. Yep. That's what happened to like four or five other people. Car got stolen. They found it two or three weeks later. They just ride it around till it runs out of gas, usually. I said... And it's not like we live in a huge city. I mean, you would think that if you steal a car and then sell it to somebody else, like you're probably going to see it again at some point, right? Or the person that you stole it from in a city like this, they'll probably see it again. Like how big of a dumbass do you have to be? Usually people steal cars and then ship them off to somewhere else or it's such a big city you might never see it again. But this idiot sold it, and it's like a 2005 Hyundai Tucson, he said. So it's not like this is just any old Nissan Altima or something, you know, or like Mustang, or that could be like, I don't know if it's, no, I mean, that's a pretty distinct car. But uh, he said, well, dude, I, I, even, I even had Florida tags because I was in the Coast Guard, and I just got back, and they took the Florida tags off and put a fresh, fake Kentucky tag like you know when you buy a brand new car they put on the paper tag yeah put one of those on there and I guess they they got the woman they had got I'm sure she's out though but I got all her stuff she had shoplifted a bunch of shit out of Meyer, and the Jeff PD gave me back the car because they didn't feel like fucking with it and the dude it had like needles like a bottle cap and I didn't even look inside the bottle cap I'm assuming there was heroin in it But uh, I ended up giving a bunch of shit to my girl. She got like some new perfume, a nice new curler, uh, some hair dye. Oh, dude, I thought about keeping it and wrapping it and giving it to her for a Christmas gift. But I was like, eh, that's a little fucked. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God, I say. So when somebody tells me a pretty crazy story... And now I'm feeling like, okay, now I can either continue to ask more follow-up questions or I'll use one of these to bridge over to something else and get another one. And so I say, is that the craziest thing that's ever happened to you? That usually can elicit some pretty good stories. Man, I don't know, he says. I was in the, uh, huh, that's up there for sure. Well, what else you got? I'm in story mode right now. You see this? Like I'm, I'm like, what else you got? What else you got? You know, give me more. Feed me. Feed me. You know, give me stories. He says, uh, I don't know. Being out on the oceans was fun. I was in the Coast Guard for three and a half years, so being out on the water is, is a lot of fun. Catching drug boats, that's a lot of fun too. Catching drug boats? Yeah. So usually we would just go out for some runs patrolling across the Panama Canal and control the waters out there just looking for any drug boats and then go back home. No shit. Yeah, and we stayed busy. One of the best busts that we had was 1,200 kilos of what? Cocaine? Holy fucking shit, dude. That's 1.2 million grams of coke. Yeah, most of the time it was cocaine. That was a lot of cocaine. Where's it coming from? 
Honduras is a big one. You got a couple guys in Costa Rica. Most of the time, though, these guys, they don't want to claim a country because it makes the process go longer. Because usually whenever we get these guys pulled over, we got to figure out which nationality they're from. Get that nation's judicial system or, or whatever involved. Let them know, like, hey, we got these people. So they'll just be quiet and not say anything because it takes longer. Then we just take them and uh, actually, from there, I'm not even sure what we do with them. And I listen, break from the story for a second. I definitely think that he stopped himself and thought about what he was about to do, share government secrets with a civilian that he had just met, and he stopped himself short and dummied up. He knows. Hell, I know. They probably take these guys to the closest black site and do whatever they got to do to extract information from them or hold them, right? If you don't know what a black site is, even though it's a pretty popular and known spot, think about Guantanamo Bay or Abu Ghraib, Bush and Cheney, really Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld, but Cheney, they expanded executive power so that the U.S. could have these places and other countries to warehouse unlawful enemies. Their existence and their location, they're usually kept secret, and because it's not technically on U.S. soil, basically anything goes. The detainees don't enjoy the same protections from the law that people accused of crimes and waiting to stand trial in the U.S. get. The rules that these places are based on whatever the law in that region or country says, which is basically a fucking free-for-all when it comes to prisoners' rights. And they use some pretty sketchy methods to extract information. That's a black site. And I think that's why he pulled up there because, like, come on, man, you were there. You know where these guys go. But I respect the restraint and being able to call an audible that quickly. Most people would have let that slip, so touche. Then he tells me this other story. He goes, dude, this one time we had a bunch of fucking Haitian migrants. Dude, that was insane. It was 177 migrants in this little boat. We saw this little boat in the middle of the ocean. And I turned to my buddy and said, dude, there's no fucking way. There's more than 30 people on that thing. And they kept coming back. And the person keeping count kept on saying, all right, we got 65. All right, we got 75. All right, we got 95. Till he was at 177 Haitians on our boat. And they had all just crammed into this thing or what? Yeah, yeah. And they were probably four miles off the coast, man. It was fucking stupid. Because you hear all the time about these migrant boats and these caravans and and those things capsize all the fucking time and all those people fucking die, right? And he goes, yeah, well, and a lot of it stopped too because Obama ended the wet foot, dry foot. Because it used to be once they hit land, they could eventually get their citizenship. But Obama was the one that actually got rid of that. So now they just get sent right back to where they came from as soon as they get here, if they make it. Yeah, imagine... Imagine looking at some tiny-ass raft or boat and being like, it's probably more than a 50-50 shot that I'm going to die trying this, but fuck it. I'll still take that risk because it's better than staying here wherever they're coming from. He goes, yeah, man, it's crazy. Well, did you guys get a picture with that drug bust? Oh, yeah, here, I'll show you. And this, <laughs> this part, this always amazes me. Not that I'm judging him at all. Or, or the writer earlier, Mary, that handed me her phone and was showing me pictures. 
But like, I, I don't care as long as I can do it safely. But this never ceases to amaze me when I'm talking to people, how willing they are to lean up and hand me their phone or show me pictures while I'm driving and like, like distract me like that. You know what I mean? Not that I'm like, it's not, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, it was, it was fine. It was fine. And if I, if I, if we weren't cruising on the highway and in the open fast lane, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to kind of do it and, and glance at this picture that he was showing me. But it's almost like these people forget that I'm driving because we get so deep in conversations. And then it's almost like, oh yeah, I'm in an Uber and I just met this guy and I think he's a good driver, but I like him. I trust him. So I'm going to hand him this phone and take his eyes off the road. If that's not a compliment to how easily I connect with people and make people feel comfortable, I don't know what is, but that's a pretty great one. But yeah, he leans up and he perches between the front seats and slides through a handful of these photos. And dude, I swear to God, there was so much fucking blow sitting there. It looked like, it looked like, you know, when you buy a new mattress or you buy a new foam memory pad and it comes in kind of that clear plastic and it looks like it's like just bursting at the seams. It can't wait to just bust out of that thing. It looked like that. These 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 fucking kilos of coke looked like that, except dozens and dozens and dozens of them stacked up four and five high, with a deck full of guardsmen and women holding guns and cheesing hard as fuck. It was awesome. This was a long ride, man. This was a long ride. When he got in, Champion was playing, so that's track number two on graduation. And when he got out, we were on the Glory, which is track 11. So that should give you like an idea of how long it was. Nine songs, okay? It was a, it was a fat ride. It was great. But we just cocked more Kanye the rest of the way, and he told me to look up the song My Song by Lobby Sifre, which is what he sampled in I Wonder. Because when I Wonder was on, we were talking, and he was like, dude, the the original song to this, my song, is amazing. And if you like Motown hits, shit slaps. He was a huge Kanye fan, so we talked about you know what we think of him now. And um, he was also like really into his gospel stuff and liked Kids See Ghosts and everything. Said he liked Ye. Hey, to each his own. You know? I, I didn't love that kind of stuff. I loved one song off of, uh, not even loved, I liked, I thought one song off of Ye was passable. Um, the, uh, yeah, the other one that he released after that, I don't even, I can't even remember what the name of it, 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 it just, it sucked, it, honestly, I don't like it, but to each their own, you know? He kind of, and and like, the, my thing with Kanye is like, Kanye was, Kanye used to be my favorite. Kanye really used to be my favorite. Uh, and I think, it's become Drake, and Drake is my favorite. But like, first three, four, five albums of Kanye, everything, everything, like like he kind of lost me musically after Life of Pablo. I'd say that's when that's when I tapered off of Kanye, and Life of Pablo, 2016. Views comes out in the same year, so it's a big year for Drake. I've already been a really big Thank Me Later fan and so far gone fan of Drake like since the jump and feel really connected to him. Kanye, still kind of the same, but like Graduation was really the album that I connected the most with Kanye on um, because I just wasn't, like I listened to Jesus Walks 
and I listened to some of the stuff off of like college dropout and late registration, like Gold Digger and stuff. But honestly, I wasn't listening to rap that much. Like uh, college dropout comes out 2004. You know what I mean? I wasn't listening to that much rap yet. I was in like fourth grade at that at that time. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe even younger. I don't know. I don't. I I can't do math. But I think somewhere after Life of Pablo, Kanye lost me musically and then he lost me kind of all together when he started on with that bullshit about slavery was a choice and he rocked the make america great again hat but the you and and like this is the same which is which is cool like trump trained 2020 oh wait no that that just got derailed sorry about it uh that's cool if if that's your thing and and like cool we we can disagree and and um still be friends and still be cool but I can't be cool with the guy that said slavery was a choice and rocks this MAGA hat, but was the same dude that was on MTV with fucking Michael Myers talking about George Bush doesn't care about black people. Like, come on, man. Come on. You know, it's like, you think you think Donald Trump really does? I mean, like, what are, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? And how are you going to care about black people when you say that slavery was a choice? Like that just like to me, I, I that doesn't sit right with me. None of that. None of none of Kanye's antics over the last several years uh, have. So, yeah, man, Drake, uh, Drake, Drake overtook him in, in my power rankings. So but like I still put man, graduation. Graduation is probably my favorite album of all time. Like I, I really it's either that or Cloud Nine by Kygo. But anyways, I'm getting so far off topic here. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Uh, I know, I, like, my I don't know, man. I know earlier I said anything lost can be found again, but damn, son, when it comes to Kanye. But we talked about what life is like on the ship and how dating works. He said that the ratio of girls to guys is like 70 to 30. And he told me a couple stories, some really gossipy, juicy shit. And he said... It's funny, man. You never really get out of high school. You really don't. And goddamn, is that true? Because <laughs> your work, your organization that you're in, like your homeowners association and like little groups in the neighborhood and like uh, for my parents listening out there, you know, the, the group text with the parents, like you really never get out of high school. It's always ticky tack, gossipy, petty shit going on. And it's also like, like people are going to do what they're going to do. And on a cruise ship or not a cruise ship on a coast guard ship, you would think, oh, they're probably like, it's the military. They're probably straight edge and there's no drugs or sex or like, uh, you know, anything, a crime that goes on, but there is, but there is, because each one of those little things are like microcosms of society, which is what high school is, and basically, you never graduate from high school, you know what I mean, uh, so he's like, dude, that is so true, that is so true, um, but yeah, man, it was a really great ride, and I ended up doing one more, and then calling it a night, so that was like my second to last ride on uh, on Friday night, and because it was so long, you know, I was like, man, I am, I am shot. I am shot. So I did one more ride around 1130, finished around like quarter to midnight. And then, uh, you know, I had hit my money. I had hit my money goal for the day. I had driven almost 12 hours straight, stopping twice to piss and eat. And I had so many other solid rides and made so many good connections with people all day long. 
and it's not that they aren't just as deserving to be featured on this podcast. I, I'm 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 not going to call those conversations throwaways because that's not what they're not. That, that that's that's not what they are at all. It's just that not everybody that I meet gives me stories like Jimmy gave me, and I love you for that, Jimmy. Pitch me. We'll call this writer Gary. Now this is a kind of a funny one. Some of you might get a kick out of me right here, but I, I want you to come along on this ride with us and imagine yourself sitting in this seat. We're in on a business meeting together. We're a movie studio with lots of money, and this dude, my writer, Gary, is going to pitch us on his movie, and based on his pitch, I want you to decide if you would buy the script and produce this movie or light it the fuck on fire. Gary hops in, and we've got a 25-minute ride ahead of us, and he's like, man, I love your car. This is so sick. It's crazy how they have ashtrays back here. I feel like I'm in the mob right now. I said, for the next 25 minutes, Gary, you are in the mob. <laughs> what do you do for work? Um, I do a lot of shit. So I work for my parents who own a French restaurant. Where you pick me up at, my best friend is a tattoo artist and he owns his own studio, so I work for him as well. Um, we started our own clothing company. And I'm also in the process of making a movie. So, damn. What kind of clothes? So, we're trying to do something where there's different lines. So, we would have print on t-shirts that have designs and everything we want on them. And then we're going to have a separate line where we go to vintage stores and buy jean jackets and design them completely different. So, they're all one of a kind. Oh, nice. Yeah. What's the movie about? Uh, so the movie is a horror movie. And essentially what I'm doing is trying to make it as realistic as possible in the sense that I want to break all the rules and cliches of a stereotypical horror movie. Like I don't want to do jump scares and I'm trying to rely only on psychological horror so the first half is about a realistic group of friends and you just understand the relationships better between each other. And the second half is everyone just getting fucked after another. But like, I can't really explain it without giving away too much because I'm playing on fear. So there's different types of fears that people have. So it's essentially that. Well, who's the main character? So, the main character, I guess, arguably her name is Roxanne, because the movie just follows her to the end sort of deal. So, it's through her point of view, like she's narrating. Not really her point of view, but like, because like I said, every character, they're done. There's no escaping. And she's like the last one that you actually follow and see what happens to her at the end. With all these different people, is it something that affects them the same? Or like these fears that are being preyed on, is it the same for every person? No, it's all different. Every person deals with someone different. And is this going through their everyday life? Or are they like in a cabin in the woods type shit? You know what I mean? No, so it's more like, it's like, uh, 
hidden tunnel system within an older house. And so eventually everyone gets separated from each other and gets picked off one by one. And the thing is, though, I don't explain what it is entirely or where it came from or why it's doing what it does. It just is what it is. Because I like I like to let people question things or even come up with their own ideas. So have you guys started filming or are you still writing the script out? No, the script and everything is done. I'm just in the process of trying to get a company to give me money and trust me. But it's kind of hard to do all that right now and do pitches when COVID's going on. All right. So judges in the audience, my listeners, you guys, my writers, who sounds interested in this movie? Show of hands. Anyone? Bueller. Bueller. Okay. That movie sounds like shit. Probably even worse than when Christopher Moltisanti and Little Carmine made that movie Cleaver in one of those later seasons of The Sopranos. You guys remember what I'm talking about? We're talking a piece of shit that movie was. This is probably worse. At least it sounds worse. And I said this. I and I a thousand percent said this. I got to be honest. If I were a movie producer, I probably would not buy an option on that script just based on that pitch. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I do need to work on my pitch. I'll give you that. Because you got to sell it. You got to sell it, man. Every time you talk about it, you got to be excited about it because you got to be able to get someone else to be excited about it. I was hoping you were going to sell me on this thing. Well, it's just like I don't even know how to explain it without explaining it. Does that make sense? Like I have to figure that out. And I said, I think that's what you should work on is your pitch. If I were you, I would sit down and start to work on how am I going to explain this in a long form? Like if I had to write a description for this to go on the movie case or something. And then how could I shorten this to say maybe a minute or 15 seconds to where if someone asks me, hey, what's your movie about? Boom. Give them just a line and make them want more and play with that pitch until you got it like hook, line, and sinker. Right. No, you're absolutely right, man. And I said, because, dude, so many people are going to be asking you, like, because that, that's a cool thing to be able to say, like, I'm making a movie. Like, that's pretty fucking cool, dude. But the way you said it, like, you were not really excited about it at all. And it sounds like the way that you said all this stuff, it's becoming this big pain for you. And, like, you got to be excited about that so that other people are excited. And you got to be able to pitch it to them so that they get it. And they're like, oh, shit. It's just a grind, dude. It's just a grind, and it wears on you, he says. It really does. When you try to do everything yourself, like, every week there's something new that I have to figure out. Like, all these fucking legal issues, dude. I have to do so much for licensing, it's not even funny. To be able to use things in the shot or what? Yeah, to use things in the shot, like, like certain branding and everything or clothing, or even with the iPhone, you know, you can use an iPhone in, in a movie because everybody has an iPhone, but I found out that you have to hide the logo. You can't know it's an iPhone or know that it's like an OtterBox, and you have to go through all these legal loopholes to be able to do that. And I said, and this is where I give him the million-dollar idea right here. It helped him, legitimately helped him out. 
I said, do you have enough clothes in your clothing line to be able to outfit the cast? Because I think that could be a great cross-promotional opportunity for you. Actually, that's a good idea. See, you know what? I didn't think about that, he says. Like, you, you wouldn't have to spend hardly anything at all on wardrobe if you've already got the pieces, and then you're just plugging the other thing. That's an amazing idea, dude. Holy shit. Holy shit. I said, I... I I I couldn't I you know I I want to say I want to be able to say I sat back and said obviously I'm I'm sitting up so I didn't see it anywhere you know uh but I said this is what I do I'm just here to help man thanks man I mean yeah everything happens for a reason so there you go and I said listen dude I I hope you don't think that I'm I'm just like being a dick like the armchair quarterback over here telling you how to do your shit no no not at all. I appreciate when people are real with me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like when people sugarcoat it or say what I want to hear. People will say, that sounds amazing, and never ask any follow-up questions, and I know that they're just being fake as fuck, but you were like, that kind of sounds like it sucks, but you helped me in giving me that idea. (laughs) I got you. I got you, you know? And then he said, and hey, by the way, I got to say... I have a huge appreciation that you've been playing EDM this entire time. Like, I, I like, I I love it. I love it. And then we nerded out on our favorite artists and shows and music festivals that we'd been to and shot the shit for the last 12 minutes of the ride. It was a long ride. It was like 22 minutes from start to finish. And this was early. This was really, I think, uh, I think Gary was like my third writer of the day on Friday, so I was still playing some EDM stuff. It wasn't until later that I threw on the rap list. Uh, But he was a good dude. A little half-baked in some of these ideas, and and that's not a knock. I'm not ripping the kid, you know? I'm, I'm just saying, like, you've got a good start, but how can we make it better? Where can it improve? Honestly. And I'm sure most people that he knows, this is just the sad reality about life, is like, most people that he knows will probably look him dead in the eye after that pitch and say, that's amazing, I can't wait to see it, and then walk away either laughing or calling someone that they know and talking shit. Like, did you hear he's making a movie? It sounds so fucking dumb. He has no idea what he's doing. I can't wait to see how it turns out. It's going to be so bad. I can't wait to laugh. And it's like cannon fodder to these people, right? But I'm not most people. I'm like, all right, Here's an opportunity to sharpen up. Like, let's get a rep in, dog. Pitch me, and I'll give you some constructive feedback. I believe you got to give people the the space and and be graceful about it when they're molding and when they're working out an idea or a project. Give them the space to be imperfect like hopefully someone once did for you. And remember what that's like. So I kept it real with them. And then the second half of the ride, it felt like we had we just had this breakthrough, and then we had just become two buddies all of a sudden swapping stories. Be real with people, because even if they don't like what you're saying, they'll respect you for being honest. Just don't be too honest, because some people don't like that. 28 years later, I'm still working on finding the right balance. Maybe one day. Tough cookie. All right, this is our last story of the episode. We'll call this writer Amber. Amber is a tough cookie, and that's why this one is called Tough Cookie. This is a really inspiring one to me, uh, especially in a COVID. I mean, this is just like the definition of a hustler and somebody that's pivoted and is doing is doing her thing, is doing doing her thing. 
So Amber gets into the car, and she's got her hands full of stuff. Food, it looks like, like a big kind of carrier bag. She plops it down, and the first thing she does is let out this big sigh of exasperation. (sighs) That bad, huh? (laughs) I'm tired. You just get off work? Yes. Do you work at that bar? Yes. That's cool. That's the first bar I ever used a fake ID at. Oh, yeah? Randy would be so impressed. He's one of the owners. I have all these soup orders because I'm selling soup on the side, and nobody came and got them. (sighs) Oh, no, I say. So I'm packing them back, and I got to bring them back tomorrow because the weather's so nasty, I guess. I don't know. This was earlier. uh, This was Monday of last week, and I I I guess it was raining that day. Uh, she said one got caught in a meeting because our hours got cut. So Randy and Jacob, the owners, they love my soup, so they let me sell out of the kitchen. That's awesome. Yeah, they've been really supportive. What kind of soups do you make? I have vegetable beef today and chicken tortilla and classic chicken noodle. They're all family recipes. And then I also make a loaded baked potato, creamy basil, and chili. Do you ever do French onion? Never tried that, but I know how to make it, though. How long have you been working at the bar? Two and a half years. And are you a bartender there or a cook? No, I'm a cook. I run this kitchen, and I run the other kitchen. I do all the ordering and prep and scheduling. It's crazy. So with the restrictions, are you guys doing the tent thing or what? Because for those of you outside of uh, Kentucky... um, I think last week or two weeks ago or I no, it was last week was the first week it was in full effect maybe and then it was the previous Friday so maybe two Fridays ago that uh, our governor basically shut things down um, gyms at 33% uh, bars and restaurants closed indoors but we can there's this tent loophole and uh, something else um, all high schools all schools had to go full NTI and so uh you know, that, that sucks for restaurant and industry workers uh, and bar owners and all their staffs. And that's that, that really sucks, man. That really sucks. But luckily, you know, hopefully you were able to have a tent and, uh, you know, get around that. And, and uh, good for you, you know. Good for you. I'll never, I will never fall. I might point it out from time to time and be like, I don't understand it. And be like, it's a loophole. But I will never, ever fault somebody for figuring out a loophole and taking advantage of it I will never ever do that because to me it's like well good for you like you should be able to benefit from that because you're outsmarting the game you know you're not cheating the game but you found a deficiency you found a, a an inefficiency and you're exploiting it for your benefit and that's all what that that's that's like the fucking heart of capitalism you know what I mean so like it is what it is uh this is the world we live in I, I don't make the rules man I don't make the rules Anyways, she says, well, we have an open deck bar in the back at both locations, and then we also have this other thing with a bar in the back and an open bar, and ABC came in, and they made us take our walls down, but you know, I also do events, and I had an event I did a few weeks ago in November, and I went to this place and that place, and I'm not going to name the places because you could start to piece together, hey, we had an event here, and hey, this was the kind of thing. So the event, all, all this stuff I've, I've, I've redacted for uh, my driver's anonymity. 
I don't see how they do it, she says. I looked over and there's these two girls doing cocaine off a fucking table and the people rolling joints out in the open and they have all their walls up. Nobody was wearing a mask except me and the staff. I mean, it's like a totally free-for-all and ABC never goes and checks on them, ever. Wow. And then this other bar, they shut down during the week and now they're only open during the weekend. They shut down to save money. So we're scared that we're going to shut down. And if we shut down, our government really needs to do something. Because I went from 60 hours to 22 hours. Shit. Yeah. That's why I'm selling soups on the side. Gotta hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, I had a good week. I made $550. Hell yeah. That's a great week. It is. It is. So I had a good week last week. And I can't really complain. It, it's just a bitch. Packing them and taking them. All the staff loves my soups. And I can't trust leaving them because they'll eat them. <laughs> and they're broke, so you can't really say anything, you know? Because I'm not like that. If they're hungry, I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to be like, hey, dude, you owe me 10 bucks, you know? So now I've, I've kind of learned my lesson, and I just take them. I said, yeah, I hope, I, I too hope that there's another round of stimulus checks or funds for businesses because there's so many of them that, like, you don't really realize how many of them are running pretty close to month to month. Yeah. And if one little thing goes wrong or causes them to shut down, they might never reopen. And it's like, holy shit, that's like 60% or 40% or whatever it is. Well, and another thing people don't get is that we as food industry people were still on partial unemployment, and they took that away Saturday. So I don't know if that was me because I wasn't pandemic unemployment assistance. I was unemployment insurance. You know, I, I wasn't PAU. I was UI. So I'm going to try and file on Sunday, but I don't know if I'm going to get it. So if they take that from us, I mean, Jesus It was partial, so I only got 156 every two weeks, but who can live on that? Nobody with any bills that are due, that's for damn sure. Exactly. I mean, I have hustled my ass off. Like like on Thanksgiving, I made pumpkin spice bars, and I sold them for $15 apiece and made half my rent. What? That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, I made half my rent, so I'm, I'm pretty proud. You should be. I mean, that's... And she said, I have no one. I have no family. I, I, I you know, I, I have no one here. So I have to do something. And then just as we arrive at her spot and she's about to get out, I say, well, hey, I know it's really tough right now. And I know it might not mean a lot because I'm not in your shoes. But honestly, you truly are an inspiration to to me and to everybody else that that are in your same shoes and that are just like, fuck it. I quit. I give up. You know what I mean? Like the fact that you're finding a way to push forward is fucking everything. So I really, I really respect you. Thank you so much, Benjamin. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. Keep going. Keep going, I say. She says, I will. Thank you so much. It means a lot. I got the biggest smile on my face under my mask right here. Thank you, baby. You be safe. I've talked to a handful of people like her. And in fact, one of them is going to be one of the stories on next week's podcast, next Wednesday, because he was in a similar situation. His job was reduced to basically nothing early in the pandemic, and now he's fucking thriving, and he did it on his own, bootstrapped it. 
and I like highlighting those kind of people because they bet on themselves and they pick themselves up. And they're like, well, no one's coming to save me, so I guess I better boss the fuck up. And that hits deep with me because I was raised by a single mother. And that was exactly the mentality that she had and showed us growing up. No college degree, house in foreclosure. It's 08, 09. The financial crisis is in full swing. And she went out and found a job selling office furniture and found a way to keep a roof over our heads for years. When Lord knows how the fuck she did it. And Lord knows that they don't give no awards for that. It's just you in a room with a stack of bills at the end of the day with no clue how you're going to get it done. And you got children sleeping in the next room wondering how how you're going to afford the next tank of gas, let alone pay for all the shit we need as kids and pay for this and that. But somehow she did it, you know? That's some Whitney Houston shit if I've ever seen it, dude. That's the greatest love of all right there, a single mother's hustle. And the only thing we can ever do for anyone who hustles like that for us is give it right back. Succeed in whatever you're reaching for so that it wasn't all in vain, everything that they sacrificed. And those struggles were for something, you know? That's what I'm going to do. Sometimes you just got to boss the fuck up. So when I come across people who are doing that instead of saying, oh, poor me, they're out to get me, the world's unfair. <laughs> It's like my grandpa always says, life's tough, then you die. And when you think about it like that, he's got a pretty good point. That's a big fact. Life's tough. So what? What are you going to do about it? Real soldiers find a way. That's it. Another day in the trenches, man. For the love of the fucking game. All right, fastest two minutes in sports to close things out. My fantasy teams absolutely took a shit on me this week. I went two and four. I had Waller on one of the teams that won. He balled out 45 points. But yeah, man, it was a rough week, which is so funny because I literally just had the best week ever going four and two, and I had one team score 207 points. But such is life. Highs, highs, and low lows. Cards fans were panicked over the weekend and all last week because reports surfaced that Scott Satterfield flew down to South Carolina for an interview. He says it wasn't an interview, it was just a conversation. (laughs) That's like saying, no officer, I don't know whose weed that is. Or, no America, I did not have relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Come on, man, just own it. Just be honest about it. Cards fans wouldn't like it anymore, but at least they'd respect you. If you said, yeah, I interviewed, I got a family to think about, I'm doing what's best for myself and my wife and my kids, people still might hate that, but at least I think it it would soften them a little and you'd get a lot more people that would begrudgingly accept and respect that answer. But you were dishonest. I think Scott Satterfield was dishonest. A conversation, an interview, it's fucking semantics. It's all the same thing, dude. You stepped outside of the circle of trust on these fans and you got caught. And maybe it's because I'm a child of divorce. Maybe it's because I'm used to this lie. But when the guy says, I'm not going anywhere, don't worry, everything's gonna be fine. Man, that motherfucker gone. And I said that over the weekend, and I don't give a fuck, man. Here's the thing. His name came up last year for a couple coaching positions after just one year. And just because he says, I'm staying today, that does not mean shit tomorrow. I'll believe he's Louisville's head coach next year when I see it or when the South Carolina thing gets filled. And I, I don't and I, I just I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll happen where he's Louisville's 
head coach next year. And you go, yeah, but he's staying. He said he's staying. As of now, as of today, he says that. And I think he probably really believes that in this moment. I think coaches, they they they, they come out with this thing and they believe that they're going to stay. I'm not leaving. But then the deal changes. And I think that those coaches in that moment, they're being honest in saying that they're staying. But tomorrow when USC ups their offer by a few more million, it's a different story. Things change. And his answer tomorrow might be different from the song that he's singing right now. And Tutu Atwell just announced that he's going to be sitting out this last game for the draft. Recruits are hesitant now because they're like, damn, ain't this the same dude that that could have been gone last year? Do we trust this guy? You going to be here, coach? And I'm sorry, Louisville fans, but in football, you are and always will be a stepping stone. And don't get me wrong either. South Carolina is a thousand percent a stepping stone as well, but it's still a step up. It's a step in the right direction. It's an SEC stepping stone, which is still better than an ACC stepping stone, Louisville. It's the SEC, you got the boosters, the facilities, all of that shit. And plus, here's the thing is like, he doesn't even have to be good. USC has been so bad at football since Stefan Garcia and Connor Shaw that all he has to do is win six or seven games, get to a bowl game or two in three or four years, and he's gone. He knows that. So I'll believe he's not leaving when that position gets filled and next season kicks off. And it's been kind of quiet lately. Listen, Shane Beamer is rumored and reported to be the rumored guy. But if they loved him so much, you know, that thing's been out there for three days. If they loved him so much, they would have locked him up already. Might we see a bombshell report drop hours before Louisville's final game of the season? That's kind of how a lot of this stuff goes a lot of the time. We'll see. UK football sucks. I'm not wasting any more breath on that. And Jesus Christ, the basketball team is in trouble. Three losses in a row. I know it's early, but things are not looking good, guys. UofL basketball still exists, so there you go. I am back next Wednesday with another episode with a better and more rested voice and hopefully some better sleep as well. Y'all be good or be good at it. Until then, I am Ben Tompkins, and that is Real Talk.